All right, sir, let's move on to my second story, which is totally out of character because I used to be like most people. I watched the Fast and the Furious and I was like, ooh, this is a cool game. We try some racing games and I loved the Need for Speed series back in the early 2000s, going back to what I was telling Adam, like when I used to live in Massachusetts, it was awesome. So this is a game called Beam NG, which is like the weirdest game. I'm sure the NG means something, but apparently again, lots of people are really, really into this game. This is like probably one of the hidden secrets. Like maybe this is comes down to game marketing because you look on Steam, right? And it has one of the highest number of positive reviews I've seen in a long time. 157,000 positive reviews, right? You guys know if you're a Steam user, I'm not sure how the PlayStation system works or the Epic system works anymore, but it's very rare to see a game above 100,000 reviews on Steam, right? Like really famous games. Stardew Valley is probably one of them. The Halo series on Steam is not above 100,000 games, right? 100,000 reviews, I should say. But yeah, BeamNG is another driving game. This is reminds me of a game called Project Cars. Reminds me of on the PlayStation Gran Turismo. Yes. So again, really famous racing games. Need for Speed, of course, on the PC. Trackmania being an arcade sort of racing game. What is that game? Burning something on PlayStation. Burning. Burnout? Burnout, yes, burnout. Ah, burnout, yes. So this is more in the line of Project Cars. It's a more realistic game. I guess what makes this so famous and so desired is people love the soft body physic physics in this game. Right? If you go onto the Steam site and you look up, up this, I'm sure it might even be on PlayStation, right? They show like each wheel on the car is like actually rendered like when it's going over territory. Like if you watch a Need for Speed game, the wheels are just flat. They're, like they all react together, but each of these wheels react together. And when you have car crashes, the physics are very detailed in that it, it's like parts fly off in different areas. It's not just, I have three animations for a car crash, smashed, a little bit smashed and very smashed. That's it for a lot of new speed games, right? If you're a car person, right, you might not have heard about this game. I'd never heard about this until I saw this on Google Trends that you guys were really excited about it. And this is not just like, there is like an open sandbox simulator feel to this game, but there are like challenges and missions where you can do like deliveries like you would and lots of you guys love in truck simulator or those truck simulated games where you're like carrying cargo or like mud rigger, driving through like the swamps of Louisiana and stuff. So there's a lot of stuff to do. There's like, for people like me who I like a mission, go from A to B, there's hot pursuit style, like in the old interest me games. This also is not as graphically detailed, or should I say graphically demanding as some of the more modern games is. So the minimum requirements is an AMD FX6300 processor. So that's like a 10, 15 year old processor. The recommended requirements is an AMD Ryzen 1700. Again, like that is like a, the recommended specs are low. So this is, I would say this reminds me of why I think a lot of Asian games do so well out here in Asia is because when they make a game, they try to make it for as many people as possible, right? It's not going to be the best looking game, but even for, because people here in Taiwan and Adam can testify this, don't really tend to upgrade their PCs very often. The segment of people like me, people like my friend Hans, who I talk about on the show all the time, we spend money on gaming PCs, but we are like the minority 10% of the 23 million people or 24 million people in Taiwan, right? Something to keep an eye out from if you are a driving person, if you're interested in driving games, this is pretty affordable. The price on Steam right now is about $378,000. So 
a little about 12 or 13 US dollars, depending on your exchange rate. Give it a go. If you like it and you're watching the podcast or you already played, right? Send us a tweet, right? Twitter.com slash Middle Age Gaming. Send us an email. Let us know what it's like. Is it as good as what Steam says? Is it better? Is it worse? Is it worth playing? I'd love to know personally. Yeah, I was just watching this video, watching the dune buggies when they were going over and the wheels were flying. I was like, I want to ride that. <laughs> it just, I like my mind immediately grabbed on to the shock absorbing, the way the wheels were moving. So to see that was actually a feature of something. Of, yep, I totally get why people get into that because that was immediately the first thing that I saw in the trailer. Yeah, now is it, does it have multiple locations? It looks like in the trailer, it's just all in the desert. Is that part of... There's a bunch of multiple okay. locations. It's still early access on Steam. So this might not be on console. It might be wrong because I know PlayStation is doing allowing more early access games. I can't think of any early access games. Okay. Okay. So I'm wrong. So maybe this is not out of the place. I thought PlayStation was like allowing a few early access games over PlayStation. I can't think of any. I know that there are games I know that there are games that have been in early access on PC that come to PlayStation later. But I can't think of any games that are currently in early access. I've done a few betas, but yeah, I've, I don't know any. So like this is under the beta label, but this might just be on PC. And this looks like it's been out for a while. I think this is on Google Trends just because of this Johnson Valley update. Let us know. I'm interested. Like I tried an Need for Speed game a while ago, like last year sometime, when I was going through my typical moments of, oh my God, I want something to play. Let me find something that suits the mood. And I played it. It was cool, but... It didn't grab me, so maybe this might be for people who are like me, who are like, yeah, I'm looking for a racing game to grab me again, and maybe this might be it. Yeah, I played racing games back on the original PlayStation when I was younger, but I don't know, they didn't stick with me. When I, as I got older, I was just kind of like, weren't as interesting, I don't know why. I was just having sports same with games. Me. Sports, same with me, I like. I used to love, in, in no, no, I South Africa, I used to love playing NHL hockey, that was my favorite game to play. And yeah, no, I don't play any sports game. It's still, it's still one of those things where I'd love to play. I'd love to buy a baseball game on the Switch or the PC because I love baseball a, a ton, but it would never get high up enough on the buying priority list for me to actually. Yeah, we used to play NHL or Madden 94 on the Sega Genesis. And we loved it. We played it all the time. But yeah, no, when I guess around the time PlayStation 2 came out and people would be like, hey, let's play the sports game or something. And I was kind of like... I think probably the only sports game I might be able to get into these days would maybe be like a, a basketball might work, but uh, other sports games, yeah, I don't know. They're just not my cup of tea these days. Maybe that is another segment of middle-aged gamers. I feel like a lot of like people our age in America do like football, Sunday night football, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Cool, Adam, let's move on to your third story since you are running down the clock, technically. Technically. All right, so my th third story is Blizzard and NetEase are getting involved again, basically. But are they? So what's happened is a lawsuit has come out basically accusing Blizzard of owing NetEase money. They said things, for example, that when the contract was ended in January, that NetEase handled a lot of the refunds for people that had either prepaid for games or merchandise or that sort of thing. And since all these things are canceled, these people no longer have access to these things. They needed to get refunds for things that they would never get. NetEase paid those, and then supposedly Blizzard should have been paying those. There was also claims that Blizzard had unilateral control over the contract, which made it unfair for NetEase. And so therefore, 
the contract sh should have never been signed in the first place and that NetEase had given Blizzard to develop games. So we know that they were involved in things like Diablo Immortal. Blizzard had never developed these games and now this relationship is over. Blizzard never will develop these games and therefore they should be getting a refund on these games that they paid for that they never received. So this was the claim. It came out of, I don't remember the site, but it was out of, I believe, Shanghai. And later on, so this has since been updated. Turns out NetEase is not suing Blizzard. It is an individual who is suing Blizzard who put NetEase on the original document, but they have now since been removed. So apparently NetEase is not suing Blizzard, but rather an individual is. That individual has not been named, or at least their name has not been released. But yeah, so it looks like this is not actually news, but if you see it, that's why, because it looked like it was going to be this big deal, but it turns out that it actually is not a lawsuit by NetEase, but an individual who is claiming to do it on their behalf, so. And this makes me wonder, I wonder if Microsoft sensing the turning of the turning of the tides, the changing of the tides, right, or changing, whatever the, the saying is, they're like, okay, we know. TikTok is going to get banned at the stage, right? We know Chinese companies have access to American data, not just American data. Everybody who does some sort of uses a Chinese platform, right? You're probably sharing your data with some sort of Chinese company. Okay, we don't want to get in trouble for that. The, the U.S. Congress politicians are going after it. We got to tell Blizzard to say, hey, break up with netings because we don't want to flip the sign for when Congress does clean down. I don't know what's your theory on that. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that has to do with the that he's suing Blizzard. I think they broke up, and this might have been like... Oh, okay. This might have been the reason why... Because when they did break up, what was it? NetEase was saying that it was due to a jerk, and this person basically soured their relationship. So I could definitely see Blizzard trying to pull out from NetEase for similar to the TikTok thing, where they're like, okay, this is more problematic than it's worth, so let's uh, let's get out when we can. I could definitely see that being part of Blizzard's thinking, and I could see from NetEase's perspective where it would seem like, hey, we want to continue this contract. We want to continue offering these services. What do we need to do this? And Blizzard's just like, really want to? I need an excuse. And then they basically just said, eh, it's just not going to work out. So I could see that being part of the reason why they split in the first place. Yeah. Then again, people was, yeah, the Chinese market is 1.2 billion, right? But it's as large as the Indian market, right? You can skip the Chinese market, go into the Indian market, and you've replaced your consumer base right there. And we've got your six, 700 million phones in India, right? For people to play Diablo Immortal and stuff like that. And it's, I don't think companies need the Chinese market as much as they'd like to, but coming back to this story, I think, like you and I were talking about this before we started recording today's show, that this is probably an engineer or somebody, right? And I think you hit the nail on the head, it's probably somebody who like, okay, given the antagonism between the West and the East, right, I'm probably going to win this suit in China, maybe, or a high chance I will, or a high chance there'll be some sort of repercussions. It might not be fiscal, it might be political, and then I'll be famous on Weibo, whatever the hell social platform is in China, right? Yeah, we were speculating as to if this is an individual, why would they do this? There's no way they could expect to win on NetEase's behalf, and I was just theorizing that could be one of a couple things. It could just be that this person legitimately feels that they have an argument and they could win. That's a possibility. 
It could be that this person feels that there is zero chance that they could win, but this is going to draw attention to this relationship or this issue. And maybe they want more about the attention or the money. Or it could be that if it is a Chinese individual, they're considering, of course, a, a Chinese court system is going to side with me. Of course, I can get money from this Western company. I don't think this would be settled in a Chinese court. And if it was, and they did say, Blizzard, you need to pay this person money, what are the odds of Blizzard actually following through on that? Especially if they've pulled out of the country entirely. So yeah, I don't really know what the whole story is behind it or how it's going to work out. I don't even know if at this point, now that we realize that it is an individual, I don't even know if it's news at this point. If it's news work. true. But it is something that is going on, so it's something to maybe wait and see if it's worth keeping an eye on. I agree. Okay, and then let's move on to my third story. So my third story is about Atlas OS. And I never heard about this, apparently. This is like a huge story on Google Trends for some reason. And you're probably thinking, Korean, this is a gaming show. Why are you talking about an operating system? So if you're a geeky person or a computer person or a PC gaming person, you would know there are multiple versions of every OS, right? If you're a Linux person, there's Debian, there's Ubuntu, there's... That's the beauty of Linux, right? There's various distributions, right? And Windows 10 had Windows 10 Lite, places where you can make your own custom operating system. And that's exactly what Atlas is, right? So Atlas OS is a custom Windows 10 operating system. So now the emphasis, right, is on Windows 10. Before I start talking about this, right, you do need to have some sort of technical knowledge if you want to do this sort of stuff, right? Because it is somewhat complicated, but if you do have an older machine, right, if you're running like an AMD 1000 series process, right, just like we talked about for BeamNG Drive, and you're like, oh my God, a lot of these new games don't run very well, it's because as Windows has gotten newer and better and more secure, it's become bloated, right? So if you go to the webpage, atlasos.net, they have a very nice thing, which is like F, star, star, K, Windows, upgrade to Atlas, right? Performance, latency, privacy. One of the biggest things, right, is like RAM usage. Typical Windows, right? Windows 11 is even worse, but like Windows 10, two, it says right there, 2.3 gigabytes of used memory. And with Atlas OS, it drops down to 900 megabytes. It says Windows 10, again, processes 145 processes running simultaneously, Atlas OS 35. They give you an example, right? Playing, I think this has got to be like a Minecraft stat. Playing Minecraft with Atlas OS or Windows 10, 289 frames per second with Atlas OS 394 frames per second. So if you're a serious PC gamer, this is something for you to consider. Basically, if you have an older machine or maybe you have a, an older machine you want to give to your kid and you don't want them to be doing disastrous things with all these extra apps, lose down the operating system. It can be their dedicated gaming machine and you can just have their games on there. You don't need to have pretty much anything else, really. But yeah, Atlas OS, if you go to YouTube, you go Atlas OS, you'll see people installing it from a USB. There's a bunch of ways you could just download it and install it straight from within your Windows 10 installation. So there is no Windows 11 version, so you have to keep that in mind. I would not use this if you're a remote worker like myself, because this will not pass most remote worker like security systems like Collide as well. So a lot of remote working companies force you to install like a system which makes sure that your PC is secure so you don't infect the company's headquarters in Spain or wherever that is you work. But yeah, this would be great for a secondary machine. If you are like a self-employed person, you can install it 
as a second operating system, most people like Adams in my age would know like you can have multiple operating systems on a PC. You can have a Linux operating system, you can have Windows 10, Windows 11. So when you reboot your PC or restart your PC or turn it on, you can choose, okay, I'm going to play games. I'm going to switch into Atlas OS and it sets your like operating system. So you're operating at peak efficiency and then you can go to Windows 11 for doing work and that sort of stuff. Again, not the easiest thing to do, but there are guides, there are YouTube videos, something for you to consider if you are looking to set up a gaming machine for yourself or set up a gaming machine for your kids or install a secondary operating system on your main PC. Sounds very nice. Yeah, sometimes you were talking about like PC specs earlier and how people in Taiwan don't replace their PCs very often. Mine, I recently did the math, is seven years old. I haven't replaced anything on this thing in seven years. And sometimes I'm kind of like, yeah, it's also with the newer stuff sometimes. I'm playing Frozen Flame and I'm playing on, I can play on ultra settings if I'm not streaming, but if I'm streaming, it just chugs along. So I have to switch it over to medium settings to get a good frame rate out and everything. So sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I should finally get a new PC and upgrade to a modern PC that can run modern games. And then, but then I'm thinking this computer still runs perfectly fine. So then I think, what should I do with it? Maybe use it as a stream machine where I play on one game and then stream from the other PC. So OBS and all that's running on one and the game and the other game, the other one's just purely on the game. But yeah, that would be definitely an option for say, if I upgraded to a newer PC, I could either just put Atlas on that one and just say, because this one's perfectly fine for email and all these things I have to do. Or actually, I probably should switch over to that one just because of video editing. <laughs> but but yeah, it'd definitely be like, hey, I can put Atlas OS on this one on my stream machine and then my main PC can still have everything. So definitely an option, yeah. Exactly. Do we have a, th what is your third story actually? Do you have a third story? Did we already do three stories? My third story was, no, I didn't. Oh yeah, it was the NetEase one, yeah. Okay. We still have like a good 10 minutes. You want to talk about, do you have footage of Benny Schwartz that you want to? Just the trailer that I have. I don't have any footage that I've taken. I've only taken... Oh, then put on the trailer. Okay. Talk about your experience with Bunny Shores. Yeah, so I've I've made a total of two videos. One was to show just the draw distance in the game. And I actually went back and tested it because when I would made the video for you, basically there's a thunder jaw. It's a giant T-Rex looking machine. And I could identify it from 900 meters away. And you're 900 meters away. You can still see it across the map and you can fly to it and the graphics pop in, but the machine itself doesn't like, if you've seen other games where they have something in the distance and you get closer and it fades out and then a new one fades in, but no, this one is, it's the same Thunderjaw running around. So you can identify things. Later on, I found there's another place where there is a Stormbird, which is a flying one. And that one I got as far as... 1200 meters out and I could still identify it and at that point I was like you know what I can probably just see this thing across the map there's no <laughs> flying any further so the draw distance is crazy there is a pop in for foliage like you'll see okay it looked like from where I was standing it looked like the thunder jaws in a clearing when you get closer it's very obviously in a forest so there's some pop in with trees and that sort of thing but enemies can be seen from across the map which is really good because that means if you do damage to them and you run off and you come back, they might still have some of that damage on them. There are some situations where they definitely will go back to the original state. I have had that happen. I was fighting a fire claw. I got on my flying mount. I flew just a little bit too far. And when I came back, all of his stuff had regenerated. That was a bit of a pain. 
But but yeah, so the draw distance is really good. The final fight is crazy and on ultra hard. It was just ugh, so painful. Everything one shots you, and there's just stuff flying all over the place. Yes, you do fight a Horus, and it is great. I won't spoil for you exactly how it goes down, but I will say that a lot is going on. So definitely worth it. And definitely looking at it, yeah, I don't know if this could run on a PS4. I can see why they went with the PS5 on this one just because of how much is going on in some of these fights and whatnot and just the scale of the field and like buildings falling down and that sort of thing. On the PS4, it's one of those things where like on a PS4, you definitely could do it in the sense that you could do Shadow of the Colossus on the PS2. So you can have giant enemies in games, but the fight would have gone down very differently. It would have had to have been far more scripted if it was on a PS4. So, yeah, that. Now, as far as gameplay, obviously you still got all the same weapons that you already do. I'm really enjoying the Quinn people. I will say, though, that I have... Playing this made me realize why I enjoyed Zero Dawn more than Forbidden West. and I And it is that I felt like Zero Dawn was a little more... I don't know how to word this exactly. I will say Forbidden West and Burning Shores feels more cartoony, like Saturday morning cartoon. Like, the villains are cartoonishly evil. In Zero Dawn, you fight Hades, and Hades is an AI, and this AI's whole purpose is basically to wipe out all life on the planet because... Basically, what was supposed to happen was they were supposed to rebuild the biosphere. If it becomes unstable, basically like a cancer cell, Hades is supposed to kill it off, and then they can start over until, and they can keep trying this until they get a stable biosphere. That's what its purpose was basically saying, okay, this biosphere is not sustainable. Destroy it. Start over, rather than let it get out of hand. And when that AI became self-aware, then its purpose being to end all life, that became problematic. So the fact that was a one that, that was a one-dimensional enemy, it makes sense given what it was supposed to be. And there was some and there was some nuance with the Shadow Karja, right? These people are religious. They felt that these machines becoming more aggressive was basically the gods were unhappy with them and they had to do something to uh, appease the gods, right? Because they had a lot of success in the past. And then they have a changing of the guard, and then this happens at the same time. So their natural assumption is this changing of the guard and these changing of traditions is what's causing this thing. There was some nuance there. And then you talk to people, and some people are like, we don't really agree with what's happening, but we have to because this makes sense to us. Whereas in this, villains are just evil for the sake of being evil. There's just no... The villain in this one, it's really weird because if you read the logs, he's... Definitely got issues. He he was married, he loved his wife, but he was super rich. And as is common with people in these positions, he became paranoid. He ended up hiring his bodyguard to keep an eye on her because he was paranoid, but he did legitimately love his wife. And then, of course, because his bodyguard is spending so much time around the wife, something happens and she does ultimately, in some sort of Greek tragedy, cheating on him with his bodyguard which just forces this paranoia of his. So there, there's nuance there. But then when it comes to him interacting, but that's all in logs. Anytime you interact with a person, it's just evil for evil's sake. 
was just kind of, oh yes, follow me people. I'm going to travel to the stars and I don't want to be alone. So I want people to come with me. And then it's, oh, wait, no, you found out that I am this person. Fine. Let's just get a giant monster to step on you immediately. And I have no feelings about it whatsoever. I have no remorse. It's just kind of, it's so weird. Everybody's just so detached from everything. And I think that to me is my issue was I felt like everything is oversimplified. The villains are evil for the sake of being evil. The good guys are always good and flawless. There's nothing wrong with them. Aloy always ha is always correct. She never, maybe she misreads people to an extent, but her plans always work out. They're always the best choice. They never, it, she never makes a mistake. And if she does make a mistake, it's not a mistake. It's a quote unquote mistake that ultimately was the right answer. And I feel like that was why I enjoyed the first one a little bit more because it did feel like there was more nuance and this one does feel a little more simplistic. And I won't say it's bad though, because it's something that I wouldn't, if I was writing it, I wouldn't have done it that way. I would have added a little more, I would have appreciated a little more nuance, but it's Game of Thrones versus classical fairy tales. There's a place for both. I personally prefer the Game of Thrones gritty kind of situation, but a lot of people like you prefer more of the fairy tale. There's good, there's evil, the Star Wars, very clear cut lines. And so I think that, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's not my preferred style of storytelling. So, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think maybe this was informed Sony or Guerrilla Games. This is what people prefer and maybe whatever the next Horizon game is was okay. Do you want to go complex and nuanced and which are like the gray area or do we want to go simple? Okay. And that's part of the thing is like, I really enjoy the gameplay of this game. Even if the story is not to my style, I still enjoyed the gameplay. I would still play every game in the franchise. But if you look at a game like Ghost of Tsushima or Last of Us, it has those gritty gray areas. So there are games that already do that. It's just that this game didn't. And because of that, I would even go so far to say as, even though I didn't really appreciate the style of storytelling as much, I think it's needed because I there are games that do match my style. So I think that there need to be games for people that feel differently. I could understand somebody if they're like you and they're like, I want a happy story. I want good is good. Evil is evil. I don't want to question anything. I just want it to be simple and I want to feel good about myself at the end of the day. And I think I already have games that cover me. I think that in a way, this is actually a good thing that Horizon Forbidden West does it this way. So yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's bad. I would just say it's not my style, but the game is still so much fun that I still enjoy it. Nice, and that'll give us enough content to last us until next week, Wednesday. Yet, Adam, any final thoughts before we end up today's show? What have you been playing? Everspace 2, but I think we can talk about it at some point in the future. Ah, uh, okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not uh, really. No, yeah, me... Either I'm, I was hoping to play Everspace 2 yesterday. I did not get it, so I'm still playing a mix of Everspace 2, Marvel Snap, Hearthstone. That's usually what I get to play when I don't get to play my main game. So hopefully it's up Everspace 2 today, but it looks like probably not, unfortunately. So hopefully on Thursday. I'm enjoying that a lot. It is a fun, action-y, 
weird story. It's also weird playing as Adam and he sounds just like you as well. And the dude's face is interesting as well. Uh, it's like playing Adam Gray as a space pilot. Could be. Yep. All right, Middle Age Gamers, hope you enjoyed today's episode. We had lots of interesting news. Tell us, what was your favorite story? If you made it to the end, let us know. Don't forget to share the podcast. Post about it on your Facebook or your Instagram, whatever it is, right? Share it. We'd love the love. We just hit 1,000 subscribers. As you know, if you want to grow, to, hopefully we could do 2,000 before the end of the year. Let's be modest and see how it goes. And we will talk to you guys next week at the same time. Let's be modest. Let's just double our numbers. Say yes. <laughs> All right. Have a good day, people. Yes, take care.